Vintage Broadcasting, an old-time production created and produced by your Master of Ceremonies, Frank Oz. Stay tuned to hear various updates from around the world and here in the United States. We will be considering a variety of topics from history, sports, religion, and American politics. The conversations will be free-flowing and filled with Christian conservative views relating to all topics discussed. If you wish to participate, feel free to comment in the broadcast subject line and voice your opinion. Please keep your language controlled and civil as foul language will not be tolerated in any instance, but instead will be deleted immediately. We will not shy away from difficult topics and do not adhere to the socialist communist agenda in any way. We are Americans from the good old days. When men were men and ladies were respected, God was feared and children obeyed. We still believe in truth, justice, and the American way. Again, if you have a topic that you wish to discuss, let us know and we will do our best to address those issues. Thank you, and we appreciate your participation in this broadcast. Episode 11, Going After Education. The socialistic aim includes a definite focus on students as they are eager to learn. This aim is not new or exclusive to the socialist as any organization that has any kind of focus at all realizes and understands that the younger the mind, the more intent it is upon learning. Socialists, however, beget the Students for Democratic Society, which in turn gave birth to the Weather Underground, which was led by a gentleman named Ayers. He was a close associate and neighbor of Barack Obama. This association came long after Ayers had retired from his previous pursuits. Ayers and others were very active in radical political activism during the 1960s, and it is noted that Ayers was complicit in launching a campaign of bombings that would target the Pentagon and the United States Capitol building. Ayers is said to have crossed paths with Obama long before his run for president, as many in the Chicago area know, for both were members of the Fabian Socialist Society. Again, we must recall the deceptive and covert nature of this particular socialist society. The Fabians had a tremendous influence on college campuses across the United States early on, and that impact is, is still yielding great rewards. One organization that was established was a group known as Students for a Democratic Society. The group was founded by Tom Hayden, who later married Jane Fonda, Bill Ayers, Ari Nair, and Alan Haber. This organization was known for its political activity and flourished during the mid to late 60s. The focused attention was aimed at the Vietnam War. One young man who became very involved in this organization and eventually became the president of the Students for a Democratic Society while at Michigan State University was a man named Jim Wallace. He was and is an ardent Marxist progressive, and in those days he brought this determination with him into adulthood. He was an active socialist within the religious left. Wallace, during the Vietnam War, was wanting the Viet Cong to defeat the American forces, and when they did, he said it was the happiest day of his life. Needless to say, his communist views deeply distorted his views on biblical inerrancy and truth, and he was eventually pressured to leave the seminary in which he was attending, Trinity Evangelical Divinity School in Illinois. You see, Marxism detests religion and Christians altogether. 
Being a Christian is almost antithetical to being a Marxist. The two cannot coexist. His tenure at Trinity left a stain on the school's name, as Wallace is still tied to the institution by reputation. A half-truth is often suggested when it is said that he attended Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, and the fact that he left under pressure is never mentioned. Wallace is a deeply committed socialist. He co-chaired the Democratic Socialist of America Religion and Socialism Commission and served as a delegate to the Democratic Socialist of America Conference in New York City. Today, he presents himself as being progressive. His Marxist leanings are still deeply embedded in his approach to both religion and politics. He has a very commanding personality, is highly intelligent, and extremely well-spoken. His Christian views conflict with scripture in areas of morality and faith. He admittedly supports homosexual marriage and was committed to promoting gay rights and calling for churches to be loving and welcoming to all. Another committed Marxist and socialist is a man whose name has been unmentioned for years. Back in the 1960s, he was well known for his radical political activity and was a self-described communist revolutionary. His name, Bill Ayers. Bill Ayers is a product of the Students for Democratic Society and was one of the founders of the Weather Underground, a group that sought to overthrow imperialism. They conducted a series of campaigns of bombing public buildings, including police stations, the United States Capitol, as well as the Pentagon. He was violently opposed to the war in Vietnam. He was a definite communist, but not a Stalinist by his own admission. He was more of a Marxist in principle. He did and does advocate for the destruction of the United States imperialistic attitude and culture and the achievement of a classless world system. He embraces the idea of world communism. He had a hand in forming the Port Huron Statement in 1969, which served as the constitutional statement of the Weather Underground. His activities during the 60s were deplorable, but actions can be forgiven due to youthful ignorance. A young man can repent. However, it's the motivation behind the actions that must be considered. Ayers maintains his communist leanings and his extreme liberal positions. He has refused to repent or back off the actions he had taken back in the 60s. While he may not throw a bomb today, his, his ideas still point to his desire to see American ideals deconstructed. He suggests that he may be the last communist who is willing to admit it. Communism, regardless of the recalcitrant attitudes of a mature man, is atheistic at its base and deeply un-American in its aims. In a photo shoot in 2001, Ayers is shown standing on an American flag in a back alley of Chicago. This does a great deal to dispel any ideas of his rejection of former positions. He was also a close friend of Barack Obama, long before Obama was a United States Senator or President of the United States. Ayers was heavily involved in public education, seeing the minds of children as fertile soil in which he could plant seed. Along with Barack Obama, over $100 million was given to the Chicago Annenberg Challenge, which was led, developed, and directed by Bill Ayers. This money went directly to community organizers and radical education activists. It was Obama and Ayers who sought to push a radical agenda in the Chicago area schools. Obama did his best, however, to downplay his relationship and long-standing friendship with Ayers, saying he was just a man he had met and had little more than an acquaintance. Dozens of men who have known the two have suggested Obama has sought to downplay his relationship and contact with Mr. Bill Ayers. The optics were bad for a man who was running for the highest office in the land. 
Obama's campaign spokesman expresses the matter in this way. The suggestion that Ayers was a political advisor to Obama or someone who shaped his political views is patently false. Yet, a short time later, it was Bill Ayers who wrote a biography of Barack Obama entitled The Dreams of My Father, not to mention the $100 million given to fund Ayers Annenberg Challenge. So much for casual acquaintance. I have met many men of high standing, casually, in passing. Never have I had them stop and suggest that they would write my biography, and none have ever offered to fund my efforts in ministry or writing, not even with $50. The staggering consideration here is that Marxist socialism found a comfortable position in the White House. It was seated behind the Resolute Desk in the Oval Office. Barack Obama himself, socialist, and had surrounded himself with men and women of the same mind. For eight years, an agenda was being carried out that was not fully disclosed to the American public. An agenda which, in the United States, whether Democrat or Republican, would certainly be opposed. But that is not the case. Over 80 million people voted in the 2020 election in opposition to these ideas and such an agenda. One area of concern which has arisen is the Frankfurt School. The Frankfurt School was a school of social theory and critical philosophy associated with the Institute of Social Research at Goethe University in Frankfurt, Germany, established by Herbert Marcuse and a host of other neo-Marxists who pushed for a socialist revolution in Germany in the early 30s. Instead, they got fascism in the form of the Nazi party and had to endure the destruction and hatred of Adolf Hitler. In response, they developed a form of social critique known as critical theory. Herbert Marcuse was a German-American philosopher whose ideas and concepts inspired the ideology of Antifa, a supposed anti-fascist group that employs fascist tactics to achieve its goals. Fascism is a word widely used to paint the ideas and designs of the opposition. It involves the suppression of political opposition and the use of redemptive forces, hence the violence we witnessed during the summer of 2020 and the actions of Antifa. They are empowered by this line of thinking. Violence and threat of violence is routinely used to intimidate the opposition in political situations. This causes one political group to seriously consider the consequences of public opposition and assembling in order to voice a political opinion. The Frankfurt School promoted such ideas and found the Nazis at their door in the 1930s. And we witnessed the same response as the ideas of the Frankfurt School resurface once more over the past decades. As the radical left embraces Herbert Marcuse's ideas and his neo-Marxist philosophy, violence and anger is being fleshed out in Portland and Seattle. Marcuse is the author and developer of critical theory. Essentially, this idea is a shallow view of culture through the lens of power. It presents the world in two categories, the oppressed versus the oppressor, and it insists that those who are oppressed are the good guys, while those who are the oppressors are the bad guys. He argues that free speech is only applicable when the playing field is absolutely level and both sides are absolutely equal and free to present their positions. However, when there are issues of power presented in the presentation, then free speech and tolerance are only beneficial to those who possess the power. In Marcuse's thinking and presentation, the right is the oppressor and the left is the oppressed. No matter what the oppressors do, they are to be perceived as the dominant force that needs to be removed. It was Marcuse that justified the idea of using repression and indoctrination in order to advance the agenda of the oppressed majority. 
He advocated the use of force, referring to the use of undemocratic means in order to achieve an end. This included, but was not limited to, the withdrawal of the toleration of free speech and assembly from groups and movements which promote aggressive policies, chauvinism, discrimination on the basis of race and religion, medical care, and so on. Hence the use of racism and the constant cry that we hear now in the public. Marcuse suggested that the restoration of freedom of thought may necessitate new and rigid restrictions on teaching and practices within the educational institutions which serve to enclose the mind within the established world of discourse and behavior. Thus, the idea of critical theory has entered in very strongly into our centers of public education as well as centers, as well as centers of higher learning. If followed, the Marcusean concept suggests the only way to turn the tables on power of the oppressor is to use force and the threats of force, which are completely justified in the end. It is a twisted philosophy that manifests itself in twisted ways. Here is the twisted logic. It presents the oppressed as the virtuous ones, and they are to resort to using repression and indoctrination to rid themselves of the oppression. This does not mean that they themselves are becoming what they are opposing, does it? Indeed it does. Where is the equality they aim for? Power is found in the lustful hearts of all men. A longing for power is the motivating principle that propels individuals in life. To be independent and free from all oppression and restraint is our innate desire. Who wants equality when a position of power is available? What Marcuse had failed to consider is the fallen nature of man. All have sinned, the Bible says, not just one segment of society. Of the Frankfurt School, Bertrand Russell said, the social psychologist of the future will have a number of classes of school children on whom they will try different methods of producing and an unshakable conviction that snow is black. Various results will be arrived at. First, that the influence of the home is obstructive. Second, that not much can be done unless indoctrination begins before the age of 10. Third, that verses set to music and repeatedly intoned are very effective. Fourth, that the opinion that snow is white must be held to show a morbid taste for eccentricity. The Frankfurt School concepts and ideals never really disappeared from the classroom and have recently reemerged over the past 20 years throughout our educational complex. Its ideas are showing up throughout American society today and to such an extent that the United States federal government outlawed the promotion and teaching of these ideas in any federal program. But it is obvious the roots of these ideas have been well established and permeate the present educational structure in America. We at Vintage Broadcasting are very much aware of the troubled times which we live. Many suggest that elections have consequences, and we must note that ideas and philosophies carry much more. The power of the pen is unlimited, and the strength of ideas articulated and explained have the power to change nations. As Christians, we wish to encourage our listeners to stand firm and hold fast to the teaching of God's Word. Be alert and firm in the Christian faith. Be courageous and strong. Act like men and women of conviction. As these are troubled times, do not be afraid, for the Lord is with us. He will protect us. As Paul said in his letter to the Philippians, do not stand around grumbling and complaining and arguing. Hold fast to the word of life and bring glory to God. Even in the troubled time, ask God to remind you to rejoice and be glad. These choices are ours to make. Dear friends, stand together in Christ.
We want to thank you very much for listening to our broadcast and hope that you continue to stay with us in the days to come. You are well appreciated, and we thank you.